Hello, everybody, again to the next uh, show of our SESEC podcast. And today we have a topic which is going very deep into details. And um, I have two, I would say, really big experts here with me. I'm, I'm just so honored to have you guys here. And uh, of course, you know, I have the first author of a special study here. The study is called, I give you the title, so then you can think about it, what's going to happen next. So it is called Retained Myogenetic Potency of Supraspinatus Muscle Stem Cells in Tear Condition. And I have the first author of the study here, and this is Professor Lars Henrik Frick. And um, he's coming from the Institute Regional Health Research from the University of Southern Denmark. And he's also associated with the Institute of Molecular Medicine, also at the University of Southern Denmark in Odense in Denmark. And uh, my special guest as SESEC expert on this topic today is Professor Pietro Arandelli. You might all know him very well. He's from the uh, Department of Orthopedics and Traumatology from the University of Milano in Italy. And he's also the scientific director of the Instituto Gaetano Pini in the University of Milano in Italy. So, uh, Lars, I have read the abstract of your paper and I have to really admit I'm not quite well with stem cells and with um, activation of them, but the uh, study sounds quite interesting. I think there could be a lot of potential. Can you give our listeners uh, a, a short summary of what you did in the study and why you did that and what were your main results? Yes, of course. And thanks for inviting me. Uh, a more smooth title would be uh, Rotator Cuff Muscle Recovery. Um, the thing is that in spite of good surgeons, even very good surgeons and good surgical technique, double row technique, we still see that the rotator cuff tear doesn't heal as much as we want them to do. So rotator cuff surgery remains a challenge. One major problem that we face is muscle degeneration, which also is claimed to be irreversible. In our study, we looked into muscle recovery of the supraspinatus muscle in tendon tear conditions. So we wanted to establish baseline values of the capacity of this muscle to recover. Muscle recovery is initiated by stem cells. They're present uh, in the normal state and they're christened, but uh, in case of a tendon tear, they are activated. Until recently, we, we didn't know much about the capacity of the supraspinatus muscle to recover, uh, but we have now quantitative measures of the number of stem cells in the supraspinatus muscle. And we have shown that stem cells are present in higher densities in the supraspinatus muscle compared to a normal muscle like the deltoid. We also showed that uh, the satellite cells do not differentiate naturally. They don't mature into muscle cells in some way. And the thing is that myogenesis is blocked. This means that the supraspinatus muscle doesn't recover normally, even in case of good surgery and tendon healing. Okay, and um, we know that. So you you wanted to test for that. How how did you how did you manage to test? Um, we had a number of patients uh, 
included in the study, and we took biopsies of of uh, the supraspinatus muscle. We took the, the biopsies uh, in the in the, the muscular tenderness region where we know that uh, recovery takes place, and we took control biopsies from a deltoid. We also took biopsies from from the bursa and then the tendon, uh, but uh, they are stored for for later use. And we analyzed these for for all the the, the steps that that uh, muscle recovery involves. And uh, uh, as uh, I had happened to discuss with with uh, Pietro, uh, there, there are a number of steps that are important here. You have the stem cells, and they're also called satellite cells, and they differentiate into mature cells. And there are certain steps that you can measure. And and one of the things that we measure was was a step called uh, MyoD, which uh, expresses uh, the first step of differentiation. And then there's uh, the myogen. Uh, that's uh, the final step. And we have these three measures uh, as uh, representatives of uh, perfect myogenesis. And what did you find out? What was the main result of that? The result is that there is a, a latent capacity, but somehow uh, myogenesis uh, does not uh, come through. We don't see uh, the, the muscle cells as, as we want them to see. Instead, uh, the, the stem cells take probably as a separate pathway where they uh, sort of turn into uh, they turn the, the cells into to uh, fibrosis and fatty infiltration um i've i've read in your um, abstract that there was a, a difference in age so there was a link between age and the expression of um uh, myogenic si signaling cells that enhance uh, muscular growth That's correct. Um, we, we saw an increase in in, uh, in the satellite cells in in younger patients, uh, but uh, this sort of uh, ceased uh, at the age of 50. And we also saw that that uh, that the that the age lesion age uh, was important here because early in uh, after lesion uh, there was a, a, a capacity to recover, but it also ceased uh, at the age of about of about 60 years. So age and tendon uh, lesion age uh, are important features uh, in myogenesis. And uh, Pietro, you as our CESAC expert today. Um, Can you uh, can you give me a hint? What do you think about Lars' study and and what they found out? Yeah, I I, I was really interested by the study of Lars because uh, you know we focus mostly about the tendon and uh, not a lot about the muscle. So we know that we have uh, the muscle fat degeneration and sometimes we have big problems on, on that side. I mean. We are able to repair the tendon, but then the muscle is not working perfectly. So the paper and the study of Lars is very interesting because uh, he's showing that we have this PAX7 uh, protein that is <clears throat> able to activate the uh, replication of resident stem cells of the muscle to improve and to create new muscles. So uh, looking forward, Uh, the application uh, of the study of Lars, we can uh, think having an effect directly on the muscle regeneration together with the tendon healing. So it's another target. Uh, we have the target of 
tendon stem cells and we can activate them now we know that we can activate them using the paracrine effect injecting you know for instance uh, uh, adipose tissue stem cells uh, uh, or uh, other stem cells to activate the resident tendon stem cells and this is one target and the other target can be to work on pax 7 pathways and the myogenin pathways that Lars described in his experiment to help a recovery of the muscle at the same time. So now we, we know that we can biologically work on the tendon regeneration and on the muscle regeneration as well. That was something that, you know, the shoulder surgeon, they was not very, very, you know, careful about. You know, we always thought about the tendon. Yeah, I will try to describe this image. You imagine uh, you have your muscle, then you have an injury. And then uh, there are some uh, quiescent muscle stem cells. They are there. And the injury starts to activate the release of this PAX7 protein. And this PAX7 protein will activate the replication and differentiation of these stem cells in uh, muscle together with the myogenin. So these ingredients, they help the muscle to uh, replicate and differentiate. And then you have the, the fusion of the, fiber of, of the fibers of the muscle. And finally, we have the repair of the myofibril of the muscle. So the, this is a, a kind of circuit uh, where it's very important to understand that we can activate something to improve the healing. And the experiment of Lars is very interesting because, uh, uh, is, you know, is explaining us that uh, we have some actors that we can activate to improve the healing of a shoulder. We don't have to think only mechanically. We have to think even biologically. And so I'm really thankful to Lars for his uh, interesting experiment. May I ask a question, Lars? Yes. Did you assess these patients? I mean, they went all for rotator cuff repair, right? Yeah. So I've read in the abstract it was 26, 26 consecutive patients you took the biopsies from. Yeah, and we now included 33, so so we have a few more patients included, yes. Okay, so it's an ongoing yes. study, so now you have more than 30 patients. Yes. And, um, well, you know, uh, did you check for muscle um, fatty degeneration after your repair? So was there uh, a link between the amount of those PAX7 cells or the other myogenetic regulatory factors in comparison or linked to uh, the fatty degeneration or the status of the musculature after your surgery? Uh, th this is, is, is a full-scale project. We have uh, blood samples, we have tissue samples, we have MRI scans preoperatively to, to uh, um, see how much uh, fatty infiltration we have. Uh, the Goutelier classification is, is certainly valuable here. Uh, and we have uh, MRI scans six and 12 months afterwards. We are not finished uh, to analyze all these data. And we also have uh, patient-reported outcome measures. So uh, 
in due time, we will have a, a full picture of, of what goes on in these patients and how they end up with the result they have. So, so what we what we know now is that, that we have uh, we have patients going through a normal surgery that is a, a tendon suture with, with the double row technique, and we also see that some of these patients does not heal. Uh, we, we didn't see any tendon tears, uh, re-tears uh, in the group, but, but we know from the MRI scans that, that they didn't all regain normal muscles. Uh, so uh, uh, what, what our primary conclusion is that tendon surgery cannot stand alone in these patients. We need to do something to stimulate uh, probably also better head tendon healing, but we need to stimulate muscle recovery. Yeah, I, I fully agree and I understand the thought. Um, Pietro, did you ever uh, think about stimulating muscles in your study group in Milano or do you know about how to stimulate them? Uh, no, actually was not part, uh, this was not a part of uh, my studies that were focused only on tendons themselves. Uh, but, but this is really part of the game because, you know, when we have uh, an old uh, tear of the rotator cuff, then this comes together with the muscle fatty degeneration. And this muscle fatty degeneration can create a shoulder that uh, is functionally uh, incomplete. So uh, I think that we, we should include the muscle in, uh, in, our, uh, in our strategy to have a full recovery of a shoulder. So it is part of a puzzle. Uh, the muscle is part of the puzzle. It's not a part. So it's, it's very important that we try to find some keys to work on the muscle as well. And Lars, in Denmark, are you guys already heading on techniques how to stimulate muscular growth by activating this factor PAX7 or the myo uh, uh, myogenetic uh, regulatory factors? So far, our, our experience is, is limited to, to uh, experimental studies. Uh, we have a, a rotator cuff tear model uh, in, in rats that, that we, we study for the moment. But uh, we hope uh, that we will be able to do so later this year. Uh, protocol is is, uh, is uh, under consideration by the ethical committee. Uh, we have worked with different stem cells uh, in, in in animals, and and uh, we think that we can stimulate uh, Pax7, uh, but we also work with with the drugs uh, or uh, or normal hormone hormones like a calcitonin to see if we can block uh, fibrosis, which is also very devastating to to muscle recovery. The thing about muscles is that it's easier to stimulate uh, muscle recovery than tendon recovery. Tendons, uh, well, they regenerate poorly. Uh, so, so muscle is, is, uh, was the easy target to, uh, for, for us, and, and that's uh, why we started there. I remember uh, from my older days at uh, university that uh, stem cells behave very differently um, when they are in a human in comparison to when they are in the lab. So the growth of a stem cell, you can, you can perfectly grow them in special conditions, 
But once you put this grown cell back to a human, it behaves completely different as you would expect it to do. Um, do you have any concerns ab about this, uh, thinking of your data and your study? Oh, yeah, you should always uh, have that concern. Uh, animals and, and humans are two different, uh, well, two different things. But uh, they, they are, we, we, we must learn uh, how to, to sort of handle stem cells. Um, we can, uh, I know that, that uh, Pietro works with, with micro uh, fat, and uh, this is also something that, that we uh, that we will incorporate in, in, in our studies. But, but we have worked with, with fibroblasts, we have worked with, with, uh, with uh, muscle stem cells, and, and uh, they behave differently, uh, that's for sure, and they also do that in animals so so we are just at the beginning uh, here but uh, i think we have we have an obligation to to continue these studies uh, uh, we, we owe that to the patients and peter uh, what are your thoughts about this uh, last just mentioned that you are using a special technique can i can i comment yes you can comment you can just yeah no actually to stimulate the tendon uh, Yeah, the, the, the comment regarding PAX-7 is what we know about PAX-7 that is, you know, the focus of tonight is that uh, if we downregulate PAX-7, then we can have uh, myosarcoma. So it is a very important protein. So this, this can be the, the right target to work on uh, to stimulate uh, muscle healing and muscle stem cells activation and proliferation. So I, I believe... Uh, They, they focus on the right, on the right uh, protein to work on. And on the other side, uh, what we decide to do uh, with the tendon stem cells with our experiments is uh, to find something that can activate. So we took some of these stem cells uh, we, from the tendon, we put under hypoxia, and uh, unfortunately, this was not working. And uh, the other mechanism we tried is to always with these stem cells from the tendon to put under uh, magnetic fields to stimulate. You know, there is uh, these magnetic fields. They are very, very popular, especially in physical therapy. We tried to uh, have a kind of stimulation with that. And this was not working on the tendon stem cells in the lab. And then uh, we decide to expose these stem cells from the tendon to uh, some signaling coming from other stem cells. So we use a transwell plate. It means it's a plate where you have uh, the cells in different baskets and they are not in contact uh, uh, each other, only the medium, it links these uh, cells. And so we saw that when we put adipose stem cells in a basket, And in the other, we had the tendon stem cells. The adipose stem cells stimulates the tendon stem cells to replicate. And then we saw even an higher expression of vascular endothelial growth factors. And the vascular endothelial growth factors is very important because when you have a tissue healing, the first to come are the vessels and the vascularity. And so we decide to, uh, to use these adipose tissue stem cells to enhance the activation of tendon stem cells. And this is uh, our, you know, kind of uh, clinical application nowadays. And that uh, seems to be the most effective mechanism. 
Because the other mechanism that you may have is to select the tendon stem cells when you do the index surgery, you repair a calf, you take the stem cells from that calf, you send them to a cell factory, they expand the stem cells up to 100 million of stem cells. It takes uh, three, four, five weeks. And then you re-inject after three, four, five weeks from the surgery, you re-inject these stem cells. But this is a big problem because first you are manipulating stem cells and this can be really risky. You just think about infection and the risk of infection can happen. The second is very expensive. To do an expansion of stem cells, it costs around $30,000 per patient. So uh, nobody can afford that, okay? And so this is not the right way to expand the resident stem cells taking out from the body of the patient. But the right mechanism is to understand what are the stem cell mechanisms to expand, like the, 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 uh, the protein that Lars identified, and to insert something in the body or to use some drugs that the patient can take to stimulate those stem cells. So that's the, the future. The future may be we can find a, a drug that the patient can take after the surgeries for a few days, and this will activate the resident stem cells of the tendon or uh, the muscle. And, uh, you, you know, this can be really the future to enhance the, the, the possibility of healing, you know. And that, that's, that's a mechanism that I, I believe this will come in the next 10, 15 years because a lot of people, you know, especially... Uh, the pharmacological, pharmaceutical uh, companies, they work on that, on this kind of activation. And I, I think this, this will be the future. I hope this will be the future to help the surgeon. After the surgeon uh, will do a very good job, then they will be helped to have a good healing by something from uh, pharmaceuticals or other kind of stimuli. I agree with you, Pedro. Um, stem cell treatments uh, and, and the way we do it today will, will probably be historic. But, but uh, I, you mentioned one very important thing is that, that stem cell in isolations are difficult to handle. So, so what, what we work with is what we call, we call it the stem cell niche. That means that there are stem cells and there are helper cells and, and there are also uh, cells called FAPs. Uh, which are fibroadipogenic cells, and and they uh, um, we don't know much about the the action of, of these cells in in, in the musculature uh, yet, at least not in, in the shoulder. But but we are uh, trying to 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 stimulate uh, uh, the muscles uh, with with the uh, not just one cell, but but uh, with uh, still cells from the niche. And then uh, we have uh, we have access to a stem cell hub, uh, which is now approved to, to, to grow stem cells. And, and uh, we hope that we can sort of combine uh, natural stem cells from the patient's autologous, uh, which is uh, the patient's own cells, with, with uh, allografts. So, so uh, things are, are evolving uh, at the moment. Uh, and uh, we hope that we are uh, upfront with with, uh, with our experiments. Yeah, that that sounds really uh, as a bright future. I hope uh, that we will uh, 
Yeah, that we will see this. <laughs> I th I know this research is done since so many years, and um, I'm not really into it. But I I I did not see really the big breakthrough yet. So I'm really hoping that this is uh, coming in a future that that I will, you know, I I can I can witness. <laughs> but one question, Lars. I I've seen I I heard here in your paper that you counted the total number of Pac seven cells and the myogenin cells to estimate the myogenetic potential of uh, the muscle. And you compared the biopsies you took from the supraspinatus muscle with the deltoid muscle. Can you give us and our listeners just, just maybe a glimpse of information? What does a good myogenetic potential look like? So how many Pax7 cells per square millimeter or per yeah per defined volume do you need to define this as a good potential uh, oh that's a difficult question we see we have we have uh, all 33 patients um, are sort of uh, grouped uh, and um, what we, we we sort of said uh, those that that have an initial um good uh, results that they had a high number of, of pac 7 cells uh until three months or so after the the, the, the lesion and then it, it ceased um we we cannot say that it's absolute uh, numbers we we actually count in, in densities uh, so so the density of 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 pac 7 cells what well, we count when, when we count them we we count that the nuclei uh, that is uh we, we don't count the cells we, we cannot see the cells so uh, it's uh, it's it's sort of a puzzle to to see how uh, uh, what what's best in in these cases. What 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 was the important measure is that uh, the measure is that that myogenesis was blocked. Pietro, you said tendon regeneration. You are doing a lot of research on that. Um, can you give us and and our listeners a look into the future? What would be the the big breakthrough in tendon and muscle regeneration from your point of view what would be the next big step needed to to achieve this what we are talking about i mean from a certain point of view the same that, that i told before is to find drugs that targets those stem cells to activate them you know like a switch you 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 switch on the stem cells and they do the job from the other side, we should keep uh, things very simple, you know, because uh, things too too much complicated, they are very difficult to be translated in clinical application, as we know. You know, we have uh, meetings of hundreds of uh, experiment, experimental research, uh, meetings of days, and then nothing is translated in clinical application. So to keep it simple now, what we are working is to using some biologic uh, agents like collagen to be injected in partial tendon tears by ultrasound to see if this can help a self-regeneration of the tendon because we have always to think that human body is not like a machine. In a machine, if, if you have a cord, if you have a strings, and start degenerating, this will progress. And at the end, you have the rupture for sure. 
In the human body, we have some regenerative capacities and we have to work on this kind of idea to stimulate the body to heal itself. And this can, can, can be something that we see sometimes even with physical therapy, you know, with eccentric loading exercises, we have kind of regeneration. And uh, so it will be possible for sure using some biological drugs may be injected to stimulate this and to have the healing of the tendon. So I think this, this can be a future, a near future for our everyday practice. Then uh, we see, because, you know, a, an experiment that goes uh, well, maybe will change everything in three years. And we don't know, but we, we are a witness of this uh, fantastic time that we are living, that uh, every day we learn something, uh, we, we, study, we study something, uh, we find something, and everything is, is continuously moving. So I'm pretty excited, like, like you too. So this was uh, this were, these were great words, uh, Pietro. Thank you very much for uh, being here with us. I enjoyed it really a lot. Looking at your data, Lars from Denmark, I'm pretty sure that you will report us um, next data from your ongoing study. And uh, thank you very much for listening uh, to this SESEC podcast show on retained myogenetic potency of supraspinatus muscle stem cells in tear condition. Today with the first author, Lars Henrik Frick from the University of Southern Denmark and uh, Pietro Randelli from the University of Milano. Many thanks for listening. My name is Robert Hudek. I am from the Athos Klinik Fleetinsel in Hamburg in Germany. And uh, yeah, I hope uh, you enjoyed and uh, to see you soon on one of our next meetings, of course. So thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Robert. Thanks a lot, Robert. Thank you. Bye-bye, Lance. Thank you.